Hello there, I'm Simon Elbow, and this is Simon Elbow's Knowledge Compass Corner, with me, Simon Elbow, offering you facts and information, and aspiring to get you prized out of the ignorance corner. Or I see, as we may well be abbreviating it to in future broadcasts. And of course, as usual, we'll have a little drink and definitely a popular snacking food by way of partitioning the show into two discreet halves. Though uh, not necessarily of the same length, in, uh, in which case they wouldn't technically be halves, would they? Parts. Portions. Segments, yes. Uh, segments, that sounds nice. And our nourishment break might well be improved with the upgraded status of, say, uh, interlude. Yes, segments and an interlude. Anyhow, I digress, which you'll have recognised as a consistent and potentially annoying feature of my style of discourse. It is, yes, it's, it's very annoying, as may well be the pace of delivery and the Affirmative uh, pauses scattered throughout each episode. You'll probably best get used to it. Uh, you can switch off if you like. Yes, there you go. Goodbye. Or you could press that little fast forward button there. You see the one, uh, the one with the two arrowheads here, looking, looking right. Where uh, is it left? Uh, it's one of those anyway. So, in terms of snack and drink, just what have I got to hand this time? For the pending interlude. Let's have a little look, shall we? Oh yes, just as I thought. It's a slender brown bottle full of Japanese sake. It has a lovely silver label there, very posh, classy with those informative kanji characters there in red. I should imagine that translates to uh, maybe a sake or sake bottle or maybe it's the name of the brewery. Anyhow, I'm very much looking forward to delving into this particular Asian delight later on. And moving on to the snack, what better juxtaposition to this luxuriously packaged and somewhat pricey drink than the standard plain rich tea biscuit, a British icon of the mid-morning rest period. There we are, Japan and Britain, holding hands across the ocean. <laughs> yes, uh, well, <laughs> anyhow, this time, leadership. We're learning about leadership. Leadership. Mm. Well, there's you, with all the people what you work with, out in the street, milling about, bumping into each other now and then. But not minding about that, really. So, leadership is when someone gives you a little step stool. You know, one of those that folds out to reveal maybe two or perhaps even three steps. You would normally ascend one of these to reach up for high things that otherwise elude your grasp. 
or maybe when the ceiling needs a quick once-over with satin emulsion. Anyhow, you've been given this, and you have to open it up and stand on it. And what this does is to immediately set you apart. It does, doesn't it, this little step stool? Yes, a good head height or more above everyone else. Your co-workers or ex-co-workers, as they may well perceive it now. So they're still milling about, wondering what to do with their hands in their pockets and their heads looking down upon their two shuffling feet, kicking about, still bumping into one another, milling about. Yes, that's, that's what milling about is. And here's you in the middle on your shiny stepstool, a good head higher than any one of them. So, what you do is this, you say, Hello everyone, I have an idea. And everyone stops a moment from milling about and shuffling and bumping into one another, and they raise their heads up your way. They've heard a sound. They don't hear sounds too often, but they turn their heads to this one, and there's you. Hey, up, he's a bit taller than usual, they say. What's taking place here? They all wonder. Only the people at the front can see your stepstool, so everyone else thinks you're hovering there, your head bobbing about above them. Hey, everyone, I've got an idea, you say. I think we should go this way. And you point. You point, don't you? You point up the road. Up towards Poundland, on up past the Bruce Willis statue. That's the way you point, because that's the way everyone should go these days, and you're their leader. And everyone below you, a good head's distance adrift, vertically, as little think, and they turn to one another, and then, as a single unit, collaborating like never before, proceed to embark on a journey in completely the opposite direction from the one in which you're pointing. Within a few seconds there's nobody left but you, standing on your little step stool, pointing the other way. That's a bit what leadership's like, isn't it? Yes. Well, as you progress within the continuum of emergent skills that defines the leader, what you do is fold up your little step stool, tuck it under your arm and you run after them. They're not going that fast after all, and some of them have come to a halt. Not really invested any longer in the earlier herd decision, and bewildered as to their current locations. Some of the more educated, well-read ones are struggling somewhat with the concept named the wisdom of crowds, which they heard about at a party, finding no practical evidence of such a theory within their current circumstance. Eventually they all come to halt outside Greg's, and you pop up your little step stool again, central to the throng, and you have another go at your leading, don't you? Hey everybody, I've got an idea. Ooh, they've heard this kind of rhetoric before, haven't they? So this time they come across a little bit feistier. Maybe there's a bit of a frown there on the forehead, or a pursed lip or two. Two, I should think. Across the whole crowd it will be an even number of pursed lips. Uh, 
difficult to purse one lip, I should think, though I'm sure the Buddhist could manage it, what with the crafty one-hand clapping and all that, though uh, that's quite an easy one to solve, really, isn't it, the sound of one-hand clapping? Well, that's just a clap, isn't it? It's just that it takes two Buddhists to do it, the one hand each and a bit of practice at the timing, too. Anyhow, I digress, as you've... Uh, Learn to expect by now. Anyhow, where were we? Oh yes, pursed lips. Pursed lips in the uh, follower stakes there, you being the leader on your step stool, in fact. Uh, maybe that's a, a signal for our interlude to end segment one and take a, a pause before the second and uh, indeed final segment, number two. So what did I have? Oh yes, this... Uh, this exemplary, I imagine, uh, branded bottle of uh, of uh, sake. So I'll just uh, pop a little bit of that in there. There we go. And uh, oh, it's a very quiet pour that, wasn't it? I'll just make sure I've uh, closed that up there in case I accidentally bat it to the side with my waving hand and waste the expensive liquid upon my carpet. So. Uh, here it is in the glass, we'll have a little sip, or maybe I should have taken it straight from the bottle, from the neck, I'm not sure how the Japanese do it, uh, I'll maybe have to investigate, but, uh, well that's quite nutty that is, that sake, interesting the word sake isn't it, we used to say at school when someone was having a laugh and taking the mick, you're being sake aren't you? Little did they know that when they grew up they'd be drinking their words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not. <laughs> A little uh, joke there about sarcasm. And uh, what were we going to have to eat? Uh, it was a rich tea, but oh, you'll never guess I've, I've omitted to actually provide myself with a rich tea. So maybe we could just pause a moment uh, Close your eyes if you wish and just bring to mind what a rich tea biscuit actually looks like. There we go. I can help you with the visualisation if you'd like. It's uh, You've got your eyes closed, I hope. Yes, that's good, yeah. Well, it's uh, circular, approximately, uh, I'd say, five or six centimetres in diameter. It's a very light brown colour. Tan, tan possibly might be the word. Um, it's uh, it's a biscuit, yes. It's I believe it's got the the words rich tea stamped into it. Just in case you are, are not sure what it was, and probably I don't know. I struggle with millimeters, but let's say, for the sake of argument, five millimeters thick. There, that was a a guided visualization around the concept of the rich tea. Biscuit and the hope it's relaxed you somewhat ready for segment two, which is just about to begin. We'll have a little countdown, shall we? Let's count down from three. Three, two, one, and uh, segment two, here we go. Right, <laughs> a little recap. There's you, the leader, on your little step stool, addressing your organisation. Outside, Greg's. I have an idea, you say again. I think we should go this way. And what you've cunningly done is to point the direction they were going. 
hoping to leverage the overused and debatable technique of reverse psychology. You're hoping they'll defy you once more, turn about by a good 180 degrees, and proceed in the direction of your original intent. Unfortunately, they see this as an affirmation of their previous choice, a reigniting of their earlier motion. A motivation to that very moment set out again, fully contrary to your original vision statement for the day. And there you are again on your step stool, this time outside Greg's. With the odd passerby, having a look at you thinking, what's he about? This isn't Speaker's Corner, this is outside Greg's. So you pick up your step stool again, and you run after them once more. It's harder to catch up this time as they've taken your reverse psychology to heart and up the pace. But they've scattered by now, haven't they? No real coherence anymore in this group. So you put on a sprint, you get ahead, you pick up a traffic cone or two along the way, and you're ready for them this time as they approach. So you've got your step stool, you've got your cones one either side of you, and you say, stop, everybody, stop. You're going the wrong way. I have a better direction for you. Well, that's got their attention, hasn't it? But not in the way you'd hoped for, you see. This time you're not in amongst them. You're a little way apart and they can see your step stall. They can see the magic. They can see it was smoke and mirrors all along. You weren't hovering godlike above them. You just had a step stall. Stop everyone, you say, you're going the wrong way. As nothing bad's happened to date, they can't quite engage fully with your line of thinking. So they press on in the direction which to date has suited them quite well, really. No, everybody, I have a powerful vision and a strong rationale which clearly marks this opposite direction as the one we should be following. Until now, they've been a fairly harmless group, with no defined leadership structure of their own, but that swiftly changes when Jocelyn pipes up on behalf of her colleagues. But we like going this way, she pipes. I know, you say. But the rationale and vision for heading the other way is far stronger. And this is where leadership really kicks in, doesn't it? Well, you say, everyone else is going in this other direction. And... I read a book about it that explained with bold diagrams and witty personal anecdotes to which the ordinary person could easily relate how this choice is the least worst-case scenario. Also, I feel it here in my heart area that this direction is the correct one for us all. And also, if you don't go in that direction there'll be trouble. The world needs you to turn around it's your duty, you know. Your most heartfelt arguments and rational persuasions break like waves on a seawall. Like they have down the coast, you know, Portsmouth, that kind of location. And uh, If that metaphor's lost on you, I'll just, I'll just join up the dots for you. 
Actually, I've used another metaphor, haven't I? Join the dots. I'm not actually joining dots in one of those puzzles where you take your pencil and go one, two, three, four, and it ends up looking like a, a clown or a racing car. No, I, I used a metaphor there to introduce my description of the next metaphor, which is the one about the seawall. I hope this isn't confusing, but uh, if it is, you can always rewind using the uh, the rewind button. It's the two... Uh, the two arrowheads pointing the left or right or one, one way anyway. Back to explaining the seawall metaphor. What I mean here is that if the waves, powerful as they are, represent your leadership skills, then in this particular scenario, they have no impact whatsoever on these ex-co-workers who are helpfully represented here by the sea defences. I was actually visualising a smooth, thick wall of concrete, though um, in terms of sea defences, they do have those massive concrete pointy star things these days, don't they? Like, a bit like Jack's, you know? Jack's, remember Jack's? That, uh, that toy you never had, but William did. But uh, when you went round to his house, uh, you know, and his mum made you tea and all that, uh, so cheese sandwiches with butter and cheese. He's not butter in your house, so it was always a treat. Uh, but neither you nor William knew about Jack's. You didn't know the rules, did you? You just had them there, throwing them about, catching them. You didn't know the rules, a bit like marbles. No one knows the rules of marbles, do they? Anyway, uh, that's the metaphor covered off. So uh, back to the, the narrative about leadership. The, the group heads off again and they go in the wrong direction because they've not listened to you. A bit later, you've caught them up again and there they are. Down at the bottom of the cliff, they've all tumbled off, yes. A good 11 or 12 feet high is the cliff and the tumbles off have evidently caused a, a handful of minor scrapes but nothing warranting a hospital visit. However, it did come as a bit of a shock to them. The uh, more able-bodied are milling about once more, bumping into each other, hands in pockets, looking down at their feet as they were at the beginning of the story. Hello down there, you shout. I've got an idea. Jocelyn, uh, her of the uh, piping up of earlier, looks up and she explains in a somewhat uncharacteristic shout that it would have been lovely to have afforded them all some enlightenment as to the full reasoning behind the original idea, rather than discovering the outcome experientially. <laughs> I think what she means is you could have warned her about the cliff. Ah, leadership. <laughs> what a day it's been for you as a leader. So you ponder it all on the train home. Quite a busy train, the, uh, the step stall has come in quite handy as all the seats were taken by other busy commuters on their phones and reading the magazines, newspapers and pamphlets. And there you are, sitting on your step stool in the vestibule. Everyone else is a good three heads taller than you, but they're standing, aren't they, and you've got a seat. Well, that was... Uh, Simon Elbow's Knowledge Compass Corner with me, Simon Elbow. And I hope this particular episode has uh, 
you can use some extremely pragmatic tools in terms of your own leadership whether you're a, a leader now an aspiring leader a new leader an old leader maybe as a follower an aspiring follower an old follower maybe you're a bit of all of those all mixed up into one kind of leader follower cocktail whatever you are I hope it's been a use and if it wasn't get in touch somehow <laughs>